Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. He koonai pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Nā mihi nui, I'm Alison Balance and welcome to this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ. The Hamilton Award is an early career research excellence award from the Royal Society Te Aparangi. This year it's gone to Dr Lisa Taimorenga from Victoria University of Wellington. Lisa, whose whakapapa is Napui, Nati Fatua and Terarua is an expert in human nutrition. She's won the award for her internationally recognised work on the health impacts of sugar. I ask Lisa how much we know about sugar and what it does to our health. I think we're probably starting to understand sugar a little more than when I first started researching in this area, just after I finished my PhD in 2011. I think that the research that I have done and on which I've been awarded this Hamilton Award has contributed to increasing that understanding of the role of sugar in our health. And that role is not particularly positive, but perhaps not as toxic as others out there might have us believe. So tell me about your research. The piece of research that I received this award for I started working on in 2011 and it was basically a large systematic review and meta-analysis examining all of the research that had been conducted around the world looking at whether high sugar diets compared with low sugar diets increased risk of weight gain. And it might seem really obvious to people now that, of course, high-sugar diets are going to lead to weight gain. But really, before this meta-analysis came out, it seemed a bit equivocal. And partly this is because there are a lot of people, organisations, businesses out there who stand to gain from people believing that there's nothing wrong with a bit of sugar in your diet. And what our research showed... Um, was that people who have quite high amounts of sugar in their diet, primarily from sugary drinks, but not only sugary drinks, were more likely to gain weight over time than people who had lower amounts of sugar. Now, at the time, there was also a bit of talk about whether there was something special about the calories in sugar and whether there was something special about the calories in sugar that led to weight gain Perhaps there were some effects happening in the liver, something to do with fructose. And in the review, we were able to show that when you controlled for the effect of energy intake, actually there was nothing special about sugar. So what we found was that people who have high amounts of sugar in their diet tend to eat more food in total, more calories in total, and that's what's leading to the weight gain rather than anything magical about sugar. Right, so it's basically just too many calories. Too many calories because sugar is really easy to overconsume, particularly when you have it in a lovely sweet drink. What's the sugar content of a can of 
soda? So a can of Coke might be around 330 mils and probably about 10% of that, the average soft drink, would be from sugar. So you might get 33 grams of sugar in a can of Coke. So that might be about 8 teaspoons of sugar. So that's a lot of empty calories, isn't it? It's a lot of empty calories. And say if you had a can of Coke or a can of soft drink alongside your dinner, probably isn't going to lead you to eat less food. Whereas if you had a couple of pieces of fruit with the equivalent amount of sugar in it, you would tend to reduce the amount of food that you ate because the sugar in the fruit is going to be a little bit more filling because it comes along with fibre and a few other things in it that help to fill you up. So if sugar's a natural component of food, we shouldn't be scared of it in that sense. Yes, that's right. We certainly don't recommend that people cut out fruits and sweetened milk from their diets because those are natural sugars that come bundled with a whole pile of other really beneficial nutrients that are useful. Recommendations to reduce sugar intake um, are really based on reducing what we call free sugars or added sugars. So those are the sugars that are added to foods and drinks to make them sweeter. And that can include cane sugar, of course the white stuff that we all know about, but food manufacturers often use um, concentrated fruit juices as a way of adding sugar in what seems to be a healthier way. It's not any healthier. Fruit sugar's not really any different to cane sugar when it's refined and concentrated. So we live in a society where sugar is very available. We've talked about soft drinks, but there's all sorts of foods to which quite large amounts of sugar is added. Yes, so breakfast cereals are one example of a food group where lots of the cereals that you get out there have sugars added to them. That can either be as syrups and sweeteners that are added to the grains to make them crunchy, but often actually with dried fruit. And that's one area where we we have trouble trying to decide whether we should call that an added sugar or a natural sugar. I think in the case of cereals, when they've got lots of dried fruit in them, that's making them taste really nice and sweet. You might start thinking of that as something to add to your consume less of list. Is it easy enough for us currently to, to know what are the natural sugars versus what are these free or added sugars in a food item? Currently it's really difficult for the average shopper to know when they read food labels whether the food is full of natural or added sugars, unless you have a lot of food knowledge or you know training in nutrition. And that's because there's no requirement to distinguish between added and intrinsic or natural sugars on food labels. The new Health Star rating, which can be a little controversial, does provide a way of giving consumers a bit of information about which foods in a category are better than others. But one of the problems with the Health Star rating is that sugar hasn't really been penalised enough. So a manufacturer can add fibre to a cereal, for example, like Nutrigrain, and that boosts their star score, even though it can be quite high in sugar. So there is a bit of work to be done in terms of the different traffic or star ratings and also food labels so that consumers can um, be more confident about what they choose. Work in progress, we're getting there, I think. This review that you did that basically said 
the problem with sugar is that it is associated with excess weight gain and it's to do with the fact it's just too many calories. What happened to the information from that review? How did that get used? So the systematic review was a key piece of evidence that informed the World Health Organisation updated guideline on sugar intake for children and adults. So that was published in 2015 and that guideline is really based on the evidence from my systematic review and another review that looked at um, the effect of sugars on dental caries. The review is also central to the United States dietary guidelines where they also recommend that consumers reduce their intake of added or free sugars. I think it's been used in Europe and various jurisdictions around the world have cited that review. Sugar is not the only string to Hamilton Award winner Lisa Taimoringa's research bow. More recently, I've continued to do a number of systematic reviews and meta-analyses, so I looked at the effects of saturated fat intake on various risk factors for cardiometabolic diseases in children, and that systematic review um, informs the WHO draft guideline on saturated fat intake in adults and children, which was released earlier this year for consultation. So the guidelines suggest that people should reduce their saturated fat intake to less than 10% of their total energy. That's a little bit hard for the average consumer to interpret, but these recommendations are best used by health organisations within a country to translate them into food-based guidelines that a consumer would more readily understand. But basically to consume less than 10% of your energy from saturated fat, it would mean avoiding fatty meat, cutting down on butter, choosing more fruits and vegetables, avoiding the stuff that goes hard as much as possible, even cutting down your coconut fat that goes hard. It's full of saturated fat as well. I think in New Zealand we probably consume on average about 13% of our calories from fat. So it's not a huge reduction that people should make. It's quite contentious, (laughs) this issue of saturated fat but it's likely that the massive reductions in cardiovascular disease that we've seen over the last 40 years or so is attributable in large part to reductions in saturated fat in many countries and recently we've just published another systematic review and meta-analysis looking at the effect of carbohydrates on a whole range of health factors in the Lancet Journal, and this is one of the very top medical journals in the world, so it's had huge impact. I can't believe how much impact it's had in the short time that it's been published. But basically that review shows people who consume more whole grains or more dietary fibre are less likely to suffer from a whole range of health outcomes like diabetes, cardiovascular disease, a range of cancers... And so this is going to inform the World Health Organization recommendations on carbohydrates that should be released sometime in the near future. But it it just confirms that there's no need to cut out carbohydrates from our diets as long as the types of carbohydrates that we're having are the right type. And that is carbohydrates that contain lots of natural dietary fiber or a whole grain based like 
whole grain cereals, porridge, muesli, whole grain bread, whole grain pasta, that sort of thing. One of the trends that I see in science these days is a lot more attention to mataranga Māori, a lot more attention to Māori science. Do you want to just tell me a bit about that? So in our health research fields, I think traditionally we've had a very Western biomedical-centred way of thinking about health and also thinking about individuals as suffering from health, perhaps in isolation of their communities, their culture, their values and beliefs. And we're increasingly accepting or thinking about the fact that actually different groups of people have different ways of viewing the world and different values. And that if we're going to improve the health of all people in New Zealand, especially Māori, we need to think about health services in a different way. And the best way to do that is really to allow our communities to determine the way those health services look and are delivered. So the mataranga that I want to bring into my research is not anything specific. It's not something you can learn from a book. It's something that you hear from the people out there in the community. And it's based on their lived realities and values. Thanks, and congratulations, Lisa. That was Lisa Taimoringa, and she lectures in Māori Health at Victoria University of Wellington. She's also involved with two centres of research excellence, the Riddit Institute and Ngāpai Ōte Maramatanga. In 2018, she was awarded a Rutherford Discovery Fellowship by the Royal Society Te Aparangi, and she is the winner of the 2019 Hamilton Award for Early Career Excellence. I'm Alison Balance, and this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ first aired on the 17th of October 2019. You can find this story again at rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. You'll also find interviews with other winners of 2019 Research Honours there and interviews with winners from previous years as well. While you're there, why not sign up for our free weekly email newsletter? You can listen to RNZ, Our Changing World, on your favourite podcast provider and find my chemistry podcast, RNZ Elemental, there as well. Elemental is celebrating the 150th anniversary of the Periodic Table of Elements and we're up to ruthenium and samarium. I am still loving RNZ's video series, The Aotearoa History Show. It's a 14-part look at New Zealand and its people, and it's on the podcast's page at rnz.co.nz. Many thanks for your company. If you'd like to get in touch, we're on Facebook and Twitter as RNZ Science. Bye for now. Kia ora mai. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.